All right, going to start off this episode on a bit of a somber note, but we would be uh, remiss, or at least I would, to not shout out Tom Adelsberg. If you guys aren't aware, Tom Adelsberg is like a huge Ohio State Twitter personality, and I always saw him interacting with you know guys like Swanky Wolverine and a lot of the Michigan accounts that I uh, that I follow. And sadly, Tom passed away uh, within the last day or so. And so everyone has been shouting him out, um, just talking to him about like he just totally epitomized what you want a rivalry to be in college football. It was all awesome banter. None of it was hostile or um, you know aggressive or or demeaning in any way. He just man just shared his love for the game and was the ultimate Buckeye fan. So Tom, rest in peace. Our thoughts and prayers go out to your family. Um, yeah, shout out to Tom. We're, we're, we're losing a good one there. So wanted to start off with that. We've got a lot of other things to talk about, boys. It's been a couple weeks since we've recorded, and some things have happened in college football. The GOAT, Nick Saban, retired. Uh, the man who beat him into retirement, Jim Harbaugh, has also left college football for the NFL. Nick Saban's retirement sent off a whole chain of events that have affected the Big Ten. And then Ohio State's just off in the corner like, yeah, we're going to like just go win the national championship next year. Ton of stuff to talk about. Let's start off with the reigning national champs who are going to have to replace their head coach. So Jim Harbaugh, it is official. He's going to the NFL to coach the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, best uniforms, or actually, sorry, top three uniform in the NFL in my opinion. Uh, He's going to coach Justin Herbert and the squad and now leaves an open spot at Michigan. We assume we know who's going to fill it, but let's talk about Harbaugh first. He's leaving, going out on top. There's been some, you know, rival banter about, oh, he's leaving because of NCAA sanctions, blah, blah, blah. Let's just talk about the legacy of the man. Like he is the ultimate Michigan man. He played under Bo Schembechler. He came back to his alma mater. And while it took him a lot longer than some of us expected, I know Ethan and I both were calling for his job at one point. Regardless, he got it done. And it, t- it took him a while. But he has now brought Michigan back to where Michigan has always thought it deserved to be in the college football landscape. And that is at the top being talked about with the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the champions in this sport. He absolutely did his job and he's riding off to go try to win a national or not a national championship, a Super Bowl that uh, he came so close to with the 49ers. In my opinion, he's going out as the greatest Michigan football coach of all time. And I don't think there's much of a debate that man's legacy is sealed, and they will be building him a statue in the future. Shout out, Jim Harbaugh. What do you guys think? Man, uh, there's so much that you could say about this guy. Uh, a, a lot of the people are talking about you know, Michigan fans and even non-Michigan fans alike, just like the the quirkiness that surrounded Jim Harbaugh at all times. And that quirkiness kind of like developed over like the years where it was like the over the top sleepovers, 
you know, the sound bites or whatever. The chicken is a nervous bird. Like all of this like super weird and outlandish stuff. And then it shifts to him being more mellowed out, but also still saying like weird stuff and just going on these like tangents in in like out there like metaphors, whatever. But you didn't care because the guy was, you know, winning football games. And you have to look at the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan, A, as a success, but B, as a whole, now that it has been completed by a national championship title uh, at the end of his final year. Um, because many of us, I think all three of us on this podcast, were saying that this tenure was not a success in the first six years because – there were struggles against Michigan State. There was no win against Ohio State. And yeah, they were brought back to relevance in the sense that they're winning eight, nine, ten games a year. They couldn't win the big one. They couldn't they couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't get back to a place where they're competing and winning Big Ten titles until the final three years of the Harbaugh era. But now you can look at those years and you can see the progression. You can see what had happened at the San Diego's. You can see what happened at the Stanford's and how we always said he's a winner everywhere that he went, except we haven't really seen that necessarily at Michigan. It took much longer than anybody had expected. And if he wasn't the Michigan man that he so clearly is, he probably wouldn't have had that chance. But now we're at the end. There is no probably. There, you know. He would have been gone. <laughs> if he didn't have the connection to Michigan that he had, he would have been gone for sure. He would have been shot out of a cannon in that 2020 year, but something happened and he stayed. But now, again, it took longer, but you can see that progression happen at Michigan like it happened at Stanford, like it happened at San Diego, like it happened every other stop along the way. I guess if you want to be nitpicky, you can say minus San Francisco because he didn't get the Super Bowl ring. But then you finally reach the mountaintop at Michigan. It was a longer wait. It was a longer process. It felt emotionally draining at times, but the guy did everything that you wanted him to do and more. So an absolute success from Jim Harbaugh, the man, the legend, the coach. And I think you look at it two ways. Number one, for Jim Harbaugh, the person, him going out on top, best way that he could possibly have done it. Like, there is no other time for Jim Harbaugh to leave the Michigan football program other than right now because he gave you college football's biggest prize in the national championship. No other better time for him to go and pursue that dream of winning a Super Bowl. But for the fan, you're kind of sitting there like, yes. It's a it's bittersweet, but more sweet than bitter because, wow, you got the national championship. You saw it with your eyes. They dominated everybody. The defense was spectacular. They played Michigan football to get to the top. But you, a Michigan man like Harbaugh, you would expect him to retire as that Michigan man and go off into the sunset. So I, I think a little bit less for the fans, but at the end of the day, you got the ring. You saw it happen with your eyes. And Harbaugh did exactly what he said he was going to do. So when the dust settles, Harbaugh was a success. The fans will get over whatever, if they have anything to get over. And that's the legacy. Long, convoluted, a little complicated, but came out as champions. There is probably no better 
coach in Michigan history than Jim Harbaugh. And that's kind of crazy to say. Um, Lloyd Carr did win a national championship in 1997. Um, but the way that you have to do it now and the, the strength of the teams at the end of the season that you have to go through now um, make it that much more difficult. And for you to have a team that goes 15-0 and 0 <clears throat> in this day and age in college football is crazy. And Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, I thought, was a foregone conclusion at the end of last season. Uh, I, I thought the writing was on the wall for him to go to the Vikings and that didn't end up happening. Um, and he kind of got, I think he kind of got the shaft from the Vikings and was forced, you know, to kind of come back to Michigan and not that, you know, it was a bad plan B, but I do think for him, it was plan B. I think he has wanted to go back to the NFL basically ever since he left. Um, and I think once he saw what was happening at the university um, and the roadblocks that were kind of being put up around him, and I think he wanted a streamlined process of, we're going to get you the NIL, we're going to get you this, you know, and on top of that, make him what would have been the mo the highest paid coach in the country. Um, I think there's an element of it that Michigan didn't get the job done when it comes to that, but I will choose right now to focus more on the positive, which is he did at Michigan what he set out to do. He went 15 and zero. he brought Michigan a national championship, which has been so, so long awaited by the fans um, like us. And it's just, it, it is a success for sure. It's sad because, you know, you, you want to be somebody's number one choice, but I told you guys before we started this podcast, the NFL is King. Um, and <clears throat> that just, just a quick little note here. You guys know, I'm all about these little nuggets of information, but the highest, the, the most watched game of the season this year for college football, correct me if I'm wrong, was the Rose Bowl with 29 million viewers. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs, the Lions and Bucks game, 49 million people watched that game. The NFL is unparalleled. There is no sport like it where singular games and I mean in the U.S. Obviously abroad, there are sports overseas. Soccer gets watched 50 million viewers per game and stuff like that. But here in the U.S., the NFL is king. And he wants to go win that Super Bowl. That is what he is setting out to do. And so um, I wish him luck in the NFL. I'm sad he's no longer my coach. But the Sharon Moore era begins. And it's like... It's so difficult because how do you grade him next season when you're coming off perfection? It's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, how do you grade? And we're about to get into this, I know, but, and maybe this is the transition, but 
how do you grade a guy's first year coaching a place like Alabama when the greatest coach of all time just left? You know, it's really hard. So I think we have to have a little bit of grace for Sharon, even though he did lead Michigan to a 4-0 record in the games that he was the head coach this season. But excited for the new era to begin. Absolutely. And I think all Michigan fans would agree, like Sharon is the right guy. Um, but they just can't make it official yet because of state laws about job openings and stuff like that. But Sharon will be the guy, and we'll probably talk about our outlook for him and and grading the hire on next week's podcast. What I want to talk about first before we get into the saving stuff is all of this banter around Ward Manual and like Michigan not necessarily doing everything that they could to keep Jim. There's there are a lot of shots being fired Ward Manual's way um, because you mentioned something, Ethan, that like you you referenced the fact that Michigan is not like a smooth sailing place to coach football like Michigan for a majority of the last 25 years has operated not as a football school, but as a school with a football program. Like they care about the academics. They care about doing things very clean from an, from a transfer portal perspective and NIL perspective and all that stuff. So Getting to the point of operating like in Ohio State, Alabama, all that stuff is really difficult. Uh, and a lot of people think Ward Manual made that more difficult on Harbaugh. Um, me being one of those people. And I'm sorry, I have to shout myself out because I tweeted today that, or I tweeted yesterday that under Ward Manual's leadership, Michigan Athletics has lost their greatest basketball coach, men's basketball coach in program history, greatest baseball coach in program history, and now their greatest football coach in program history. Um, some Someone by the name of Charles Woodson <laughs> somehow saw my, saw my Wait, tweet. Who's that guy? I've never heard of him. Char- I, I, he's, he's verified. You should go check his profile out. He oh. seems to be – he seems to be a fairly decorated athlete of did, some kind. Did he play at Michigan and like win some hardware or something? Okay, he's literally probably the greatest football player in the history of, of Michigan oh. football. Oh. Hmm. He's a Heisman Trophy winner, the only defensive player to win the Heisman. He's a national championship you can, winner. You can remove the probably from that sentence. He, he might be the greatest defensive back in the history of the NFL. Like, this man knows ball and he saw my tweet and I saw the notification pop up on my phone and I was like that's Charles Woodson I was like what is he gonna say what are we gonna bro out about and he he kind of dunked on me a little he was like uh 15 and 0 back to back to back big 10 champs is also on Ward's resume hashtag go blue and I was like no Charles this was supposed to be like our meet cute. This is supposed to be like the beginning of our blossoming friendship. And I ruined it with my tweet. But you should have dunked on him and been like, but Charles, he didn't hire Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I still do agree with my tweet. Like, I don't think I'm wrong. I was just really hoping that when I saw Charles Woodson's name pop up on my phone, that it would be like, oh my gosh, yes, Charles, let's be best friends. 
and go to all the games together. And then you can come on the podcast and talk to me and my friends all day long about football. But that didn't happen. But to get to the point of the tweet, do you guys feel the same way as I do? That Ward Manual kind of has dropped the ball here. Like there was a report that came out too that, you know, there were these minor clauses that Harbaugh wanted amended in his contract or included. And basically Michigan waited until the 11th hour to grant those clauses. And the Charger stuff was already done. And it almost feels like they were just saving face a little bit to say like, oh, well, we offered him everything and he still wanted the NFL. I put a, I put a lot of this on Ward, but I also know Jim wanted to go to the league. I think if the Chargers were going to give him the job, he was going to take it. And I think that's pretty much end of story. But do you feel like Michigan did everything they could to try to keep him? No. I think that's, I think that's the and issue. I, I think that's I an think issue. I think that's the issue as well. I think it is an issue as well. And – I mean, this is not the let's get into Michigan athletics show, um, but yeah, no, Michigan did not do everything that they could have to do so, but <clears throat> I will say this. There is something that took place in the college football world that I kind of hinted at earlier uh, that does affect now the Big Ten because, boys, we are in the off season when the Washington Huskies, the Oregon Ducks, the USC Trojans, and the UCLA Bruins start their mini camps, their their uh, spring mini camps. That's all going to be under the blanket of the Big Ten. Hey, let's because welcome those are let's welcome all the new listeners and the new schools. Everybody, yes, welcome to the Big Ten. It's it's going to be a blast. You're going to yes. love it here. How are yeah, we gonna absolutely. edit? How are we gonna edit them into the commercial? Like, how's that gonna work? If they get rid of the commercial, I'm gonna be so mad. That's the best commercial people ever. So, people are so nostalgic about that commercial, and I could not care less about it. Ethan, you're the worst. I don't. Why I don't am I friends? About why am I friends with you? All. It's it's just pure. Okay, that's it. That's okay. it. It's pure. Okay. And it makes well, you, you have good. to get rid of it because. Because it's it's all about regionality in that commercial, and it shows you how the Big Ten is about regionality, and then you just can't do it anymore. So, but who You're knows? Scrooge. Maybe they'll maybe they'll redo it. You're maybe Scrooge. they'll do a, a Redux. I just I just don't care. I don't have the passion. But anyways, clearly. So, <clears throat> did you hear that? He said Washington he doesn't have the passion. People, he doesn't have passion. That sounds like someone who doesn't attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I don't. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> what what are your guys' thoughts? Because I mean, we just had a team who is now a Big Ten team for football play in the national championship game, lost to Michigan, obviously. I think the the outlook for both of those two teams is uh, I don't want to say there's no way that they can repeat what they did this past season because I do think there is a way that that can happen. But for the Washington Huskies it's going to be very very difficult. Do you guys think I'm I'm going to I'm going to pitch it to you this way. Obviously losing their head coach, they lose their 
their number one wide receiver, their generational quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Is there a world where, remember, 12-team playoff, is there a world where Michigan and Washington both make the 12-team playoff in this upcoming season? My my initial reaction would be no, but I just want to ask the two of you. I, I just I don't think Washington has has the ability to do so and maybe not Michigan either but what say you guys I don't I don't think there's any way that both those teams make it into the playoff I think with Washington they got Jed Fish was a slam dunk hire for them that that was a hot name that was on the was on the circuit um and he had a really really good year at Arizona which is not a traditional football power um, and Arizona, I think, finished top 15 in the country. Might even finish top 12. I think they were 12. And I think they, you were the person who pointed that out. 11. They, they finished are, 11. They have been horrible. Yes. Before been he got. So, I mean, so bad. Horrible. Rich Rod came so in he, there and just ruined everything. So, and then they had Kevin. Oh, they had Kevin. He's Sum- never done that before. Never, never once. And then Kevin Sumlin was there, and he he wasn't any good either. So they were kind of reeling. And then Fish brought some stability there, and then he brought a lot of success as well. So I think that's going to be more of a long term like uh, process for Washington. I think they'll still be respectable football team, but they lose Penix. They lose basically every part of their team that made them good and made them into a national title contender. Uh, Ethan, I do not want any of your chips. Please put them away. That's he's, if you could see some of the stuff that we have to deal with when we're trying to talk about and sound intelligent, it would, it would blow your mind. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Washington, albeit they've, they've turned themselves into respectable football power over the past, um, you know, or I guess for the four the four team playoff era because they've made it twice, I believe, in the four team playoff. Um, I I just think with losing Kalen DeBoer, having new leadership outside of the Washington Football House, and then having to retool a roster that was already stacked and loaded and pointing towards getting back to uh, prominence, I, I just don't see it from them. You could say the same thing about Michigan. Uh, but a lot of their defense is coming back and the, a lot of the best parts of their defense is coming back. And as we've seen defense wins championships. And I think Michigan's defense has a chance to not skip a beat um, this upcoming year. And I, they're, they are better suited to make it back into the playoff in its expansion. And of course, all of this is working under the pretense that, not a bunch of kids now leave because Harbaugh is left. We we think that Sharon Moore will get the head coaching job. We think that because he is an active member of that coaching staff, that most of those players will stay. And just one comment. Although I, with it being defense, we will mo- mo- most likely Jesse Minters going with Jim Harbaugh. Correct. So keep that in mind. But I would like to say that most of these guys, Will Johnson, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Outside of NIL money, what do they have to gain to transfer out? They've already got the ring. They've already got, you know, the legacy. They transfer out. They fill out some paperwork. They get a, you know, couple million, maybe not even a couple million dollar bonus for playing one season someplace else. I I mean, I just don't see the, I just don't see them 
the the important pieces of that defense transferring out simply because they're so close to the NFL already. Might as well just stay uh, and finish out what you have to finish out as a college football player. What do we grade the Jed Fish hire at Washington? I I personally I grade it in in a minus. I think it's a really solid hire for him to take Arizona and finish top twelve and get them to double digit wins is like extremely extremely impressive. He's no Kalen DeBoer. Like Kalen DeBoer, I think is a really freaking awesome coach, and I think he'll succeed at Alabama if they let him. But I think Jed Fish is great. I'm with you, Alex. I say a minus just because. Look! Look at look at what he did with where he was at, and then that should tell you everything you need to know about that hire. Uh, I'm going to give it an A. I'll skip the minus. <clears throat> I will just say this: This is how much I think of Kalen DeBoer. He is the only person who I would have considered Michigan taking that isn't Sharon Moore. If he was available, I would have I would have been a okay. If Harbaugh left and Kalen DeBoer was the next head coach at Michigan, that's how highly I think of him. He gets Ethan's stamp of approval. And, well, let's also mention the reason Kalen DeBoer is in Alabama is because the GOAT himself, Nick Saban, is retiring. Guys, this sent shockwaves through the sport. No one saw it coming. And you know what? As three Michigan fans... I think we just want to say on behalf of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football team to all of college football, you're welcome. You're welcome for sending him out. He, he coached the Rose bowl against Harbaugh and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I, I, those kids, he got four quarters of JJ McCarthy and said, I'm out. No, obviously that's not true. Obviously that's not true. The man's the goat. Um, Favorite. Nick Saban memory. Uh, mine is he got, less of a he memory. Got four quarters. He got four quarters of watching Jalen Milrow play against Michigan's defense and said, I'm out. That's, that's actually probably true. Probably true. Uh, <clears throat> my favorite thing about Nick Saban is that he eats two oatmeal cream pies every single morning for breakfast. And of an all-time Little Debbie snack, the oatmeal cream pie. Uh, great choice by the goat. I, I, I have a confession to make, boys, uh, and I'm not necessarily too proud of it because I've, I've met a lot of Alabama fans that I don't want to punch in the face because they're annoying. So over the past few seasons, there has been this growing mutual respect to where I kind of admire Nick Saban, which is – a little crazy. I know. That's so I already gross. I know it's gross. I mean, the guy, the guy just churned out national championships. And I think I saw the stat. If you attended Alabama for four years, you were guaranteed to win at least one national championship in the Nick Saban era, which is just an insane stat. I mean, we were waiting 26 years for one and you just had to wait four. If you're a player, that's crazy. But I look at the stuff, the banter between his wife and him, and especially how she was like just as much as part of the Alabama football program as she was. And it was like you'd hear in press conferences like he would like say, uh, Miss Terry won't let me do that or something. And that's fun. 
Like that's cool. So I I I got to appreciate the fun side of Nick Saban over the past couple you know years, uh, and you know appreciate his greatness as well. So adios, Nick Saban. You're a legend. He gave a speech about kids being spoiled little brats that come in to these football programs and how he just doesn't stand for it. And it's more about making them into men than it is anything else. I really like that speech. However, that's number two on my list. Number one is him watching the kick six happen and taking his headset off and kind of like handing it to the person next to him and basically just shrugging his shoulders and being like, well, there goes that. There goes Davis. Oh. Auburn's going to win the football uh, game. Auburn's going to win the gonna... football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. <clears throat> Which, rest in peace. Um, oh, of course, the guy's name is going to slip my mind. Uh, the guy who made that call for Auburn. Um, oh, no way. Ended up passing away. Yeah, just recently. Um, Dang. So sad. But Did you see yeah, that great, Auburn like, students went and TP'd Toomer's Corner when Saban announced his retirement? When Saban retired. No. <laughs> yeah, they went and TP'd <laughs> the trees. Yeah. I think, yep. honestly, like, I'll never forget where I was when that happened. And then as a Michigan fan, getting to come full circle with that moment and seeing him take off the headset after Jalen Milrow got stuffed on that, on that fourth and goal. And it was like, I just got to experience that toppling the Nick Saban mountain moment. Oh, and it was, it was and, at the Rose bowl too. Oh. And it was at the Rose bowl. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And <clears throat> I mean, I know we're not an sec podcast, but, the greatest coach in collegiate football history just retired. So got to give the man his credit. I was never a Nick Saban fan. I have never made anybody confused about that. That's for sure. But he did get, give us one of the greatest memes of all time too. the, I'm not going to, so quit asking. That's <laughs> just an all time clip. Whenever I see it on Twitter. Did you guys see the Henry Ruggs? speech that he gave the players when all that news broke that was pretty cool too i feel like you got to throw that in like it was it was like if somebody would have stepped up and like took his keys that night he would have been in a much better place or something like that and he was like talking about like accountability like with yourself and with like like your like brothers your teammates. teammates yeah that was cool too and i think later in the career of nick saban you got a lot more of that as well um so we hit all of the all of the fun parts of Saban's career in that little discussion. That's cool. We did. We did. Absolute legend. He's going down as the GOAT, no doubt about it. Uh, all right. Last thing on the agenda today. We have to talk about the absolute heater that the Ohio State Buckeyes are on right now. Um, in the wake of Michigan winning the national championship, it feels like everyone at Ohio State was like, okay, this, we cannot allow this to happen again. Like, it is pedal to the metal. We are going to take back the Big Ten Conference that we believe is rightfully ours. So it started with Ohio State getting just a bunch of people to 
declare that they are returning and coming back to school. People that we didn't necessarily think would do it. So Travion Henderson is coming back on the offensive side of the ball, along with Emeka Abuka, which was a huge shocker. And then on defense, they are returning their entire starting defensive line, including Jack Sawyer and JT Tuiomalau. They are returning uh, Sonny Styles at linebacker, Denzel Burke at corner, and Lathan Ransom at safety. Okay, and then they didn't stop there. They went to the portal. They got the number one ranked running back in the portal, Quinson, Quinshawn Judkins, excuse me, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, from Ole Miss, one of the most productive running backs in the entire country last year. And then they said, wait, we're still not done. We are going to go into the portal because we, we noticed that Nick Saban was not here. They went and got the center from Alabama, but the center was the lesser of the two additions because they just went and got Caleb Downs. Maybe as a true freshman was probably the best safety in all of college football. He may have been the best defensive player in college football as a true freshman. The kid is absolutely elite. I believe he was ranked as the number one overall transfer in the portal. So Ohio state is for lack of a better term, loaded they are beefing up this roster to go on a national championship run um instant reaction fellas like what what do we think about this i mean is this natty or bust this coming year for ryan day and crew it is it is natty or bust and i think there's an element to it that is this is like when something like this happens And you do have to give credit to Ryan Day, right? Because he's orchestrating it. But this is... uh, Jim Harbaugh got his put-up-or-shut-up moment. I I think this is Ryan Day's. I think if Ryan Day loses... God forbid he lose to Michigan in 2024. God forbid. And if this team doesn't win a national championship it's going to be looked at as an unsuccessful season. I don't think that there is, they should be, they should be ranked preseason number one. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It'll they, probably the be, talent that they it'll have. probably be Georgia still, but I agree. It should be Ohio state instead. There's, I also, no, there's no reason Georgia should be ranked above this team. Cause no I also forgot whatsoever. to mention Georgia. that Car- Carson got, Beck's coming back. I think that's True, a big deal. But, I don't care. But Ohio State went and got Julian Sayan too from Alabama. Now, why he, while he didn't yeah. beat out Jalen Milrow, he was the number one ranked quarterback in his class. And they got um, – Number Will, one ranked quarterback transfer as well. Yes. And they got Will Howard, I believe, from Kansas State. Mm-hmm, that's his name, mm-hmm. right? I always get him and Will Rogers mixed up. But Will Howard from Kansas State. They have Aaron Oland coming in. They'll have their pick at quarterback. I think really the only question for me with Ohio State's roster is, and it's kind of a big question, offensive line and defensive line. Because offensive line, I don't know how many of their starters are returning. Haven't done the homework yet. Defensive line, we know all of their starters are returning. But while Jack Sawyer and JT were very highly rated coming out of high school, both five stars, they haven't really 
returned the production on the field. Like, I feel like JT, his whole, like, the air about him stems from the one Penn State game where he took over in the last couple of minutes. And really, if you look at his stats outside of that game, he doesn't return on the hype and NFL draft, you know, projections and things like that. And I would say the same thing about Jack Sawyer. The production doesn't match the talent right now. I think he is a better – he's Rashawn Gary at Ohio State. Perfect comp. I thought the exact same thing. He's Rashawn Gary. He'll go to the league. He'll develop into an unbelievable player in the NFL. And he was viewed as an unbelievable player coming into Ohio State as well. Rashawn Gary, obviously the number one recruit in the country the year that he got recruited. Um, But that's kind of where I put it because both of them had flashes in college. And Rashawn Gary had, like, when you looked at his stats when he went to the NFL, you were like, he was really good. But it just didn't feel like he gave, like, you you didn't get everything out of him that you thought you were going to. And I think that's how JT, that that's how Ohio State fans feel with JT. And I can confirm that because I've seen it in the Twitter sphere and all of that kind of stuff. I've seen them talk about him in that same way that, all three of us felt with Rashawn Gary. Um, The biggest issue for me for Ohio state is going to be their tackles. Um, Who, who are, who's going to play tackle left tackle, right tackle on that team. Um, They weren't good against Michigan and they sure as heck good. Weren't good against Missouri. Like, I mean, there's bad and then there's whatever that was. So, you can have the best quarterback in the world, but you don't protect him. And, th- well, I take that back. The best quarterback in the world is Patrick Mahomes. And there's been many times when he has not had any either tackle healthy and he still looks good. But you don't have Patrick Mahomes, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, you got to protect him. So my biggest question mark for Ohio State after everything that they've done I just told you, they should be the number one ranked team in the country going into next season. They absolutely should. What is going to happen with that offensive line? Because we've seen Ryan Day have, in in my personal opinion, behind the Joe Burrow-led LSU offense, the best offense in college football history with C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, Chris Olave, I mean, the most stacked offensive roster outside of that LSU 2019 team that I've ever seen. So, and they didn't beat Michigan, and they definitely did not win a national championship. So, um, are, is it going to be more of the, well, the trenches aren't what they need to be, or is it going to be they finally get over that hump? Because it is. It's national championship or bust. I'll leave it there. But that that is what it is for this Ohio State team. I, I don't think talent has ever been uh, a question mark for Ohio State, and clearly they are doubling down with that. the 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 guys that they brought in in the portal, and then also the guys that they have got to buy in to come back. That's something that we haven't seen from this Ohio State team is a plethora of 
experienced, talented players coming back. Say what you want about the development of some of these guys, um, and maybe you might not get the most out of those guys, but for Michigan, what was the turning of the tides? They got guys to come back uh, and buy into what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish. And now Ohio State kind of has their backs against the wall, so to speak, against this Michigan thing that's hanging over them. Like, okay, can't go a whole full year, a whole four-year class without beating Michigan. Who's going to be the guys that are going to step up? And I think you're seeing a bit of that with that senior or junior leadership that is coming back with these guys that have been a part of this team. Uh, and then they do what they do, and they get their high-profile transfers and recruits back, uh, both from the uh, – the high school pool and then the college football pool. And they've been able to utilize the portal well uh, as well over the course of these years. I really have two question marks. Number one, do we think Will Howard is that much better than Kyle McCord? I think the, I think the consensus is that he is a better quarterback, but how much, right? Because he got benched earlier this year. Uh, in a game, I think it was against Oklahoma State. I could be wrong. No, I think it was TCU. He got benched in a game against TCU, and then he entered the portal, didn't play their bowl game. Not that that matters. But, Ethan, do you have something to say? I just wanted to take the question first. Oh, um, sure. <clears throat> I think it is so hard to look at a quarterback who is in a position like he was at Kansas State and then say exactly how that's going to translate at Ohio State. Because all the pressure in the world is going to be on that kid. All the eyes in the world are going to be on that kid. And this is the big leagues. Like, you are coming into a situation where you are going to be the guy. And you'll have every weapon available to you. No more Marvin Harrison Jr. Um is there an argument to be made that he's the best college wide receiver of all time? Marvin, I, I I think that's I think that's a little ambitious. He'd he would have he would have had to stay one more year. Yeah. He'd have he would I have think I think Randy Moss yeah. and Calvin Johnson kind of have that Devon, to themselves. Devontae right Smith won a Heisman I, I was, too. No, Devontae Smith. I was Smith, gonna yeah. say I was gonna say Calvin Johnson, but I didn't even think Randy Moss. Calvin Johnson yeah, Calvin Johnson's still number one. Randy Moss was a Heisman finalist at Marshall. That's how good he was. <laughs> yeah, but but you're right. Devontae yeah. Smith is a great call. Yeah. I think you have to put yeah. him in consideration. No, I like that perspective. For sure, I like that perspective, and I, I, that's all. You're losing that player. Yeah, you're losing that player. You don't have that security blanket. Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord four or five times a game said Marvin's down there. Like here you go. And Marvin bailed him out more times than not. You don't have that security blanket. Obviously, you have the number one wide receiver crew in the country coming in. Some viewed him as the number one recruit in the country. Um, but I think so Ohio State, the way this... You're going to have things at your disposal. But I think the way this team is built, I think they're going to try to win. I think it's going to look very different from the Ohio State we're used to seeing. I think they're going to try to win with defense and their run game. Like the That's way their true. defense is built and with Jim Knowles at coordinator, I don't think it's too much to ask that or too much to expect that they be the number one defense in the country. I think they are going to 
we're not even talking about the fact that Bill O'Brien is now. The I was OC. I was going to bring that up because outside of outside of is Will Howard going to be the answer at quarterback? Is he much more experienced than Kyle McCord? Or is he even a better option than Kyle McCord? What are you going to do about the coaching? Because talent was never the question with this Ohio State team. This is the true put up or shut up year for Ryan Day. But like I said earlier, in conversations with Alabama fans that I didn't want to punch in the face, they were throwing a parade when Bill O'Brien was out of the coaching tree at Alabama. And Ohio State said, we're going to take this guy to run our offense. Um, Newsflash to those of you who are listening to the podcast. We have an Alabama fan uh, as one of our fathers, and that would be the great Alex Day. His dad is a raging Alabama fan. He's a huge Alabama fan. Um, Alex, I think it's safe to say he was pretty elated when Bill O'Brien got fired from Alabama. Not a Bill O'Brien fan at all. And I've seen some of the numbers of like, oh, Bill O'Brien averaged like, I think it was like, it, it was an insane points per game number at Alabama. But he's literally like never worked anywhere else besides Alabama where, oh, they also happen to have the greatest college football coach of all time. So hard to say who you give all the credit to there. So the Bill O'Brien hire is definitely one that you kind of, you, you tilt your head and you're like, huh, what that you, that's who you landed at. Kind of similar with Penn state and, and Tom Allen for DC. It was like, what? Oh, uh, Okay, I forgot about that. That was crazy, and you know it's you know it's wild too. Bill O'Brien, the only place that he had success was like that one to two year stint at Penn State. Like after the whole Jerry Sandusky thing, he came in there and he kind of righted the ship, and they were they were pretty respectable in his time. But literally everywhere else, he hasn't been good. So those two things. Alabama was Alabama was good in spite of yes, Bill O'Brien. This is this is a thousand percent true. But those are the those Ohio are the- State. Ohio State could be too. Honestly, you could you could have an Ohio State fan base that is like, please for the love of God, fire Bill O'Brien, and they are headed to the national championship game at the end of the season. You could you could legitimately see that. I personally hope not, but. Yes, we could see that just given the the amount of talent. But it for and it has to always go back to the Michigan Ohio State thing because they were at the center of this thing for the past three years with Big Ten football. The biggest thing was toughness, trenches, and coaching, and we and it more so than just even the toughness and then the trenches, even the decision making from Ryan Day. Is he going to have the courage to go for it on fourth and short right around the 50-yard line? Is he going to have Is he going to have the decision-making abilities? Is he going to have the staff that's going to give him the right intel to make those tough decisions? Because the lack of not the lack of decision-making for Ryan Day has really, really hurt him over these past three years. Is he going to be able to make those decisions? And honestly. I think that has nothing to do with the talent that they brought in. That has nothing to do with Will Howard. That has nothing to do with Judkins. That has nothing to do with Downs. Will Ryan Day be able to make those decisions? And that is what this season for Ohio State is going to come down to. He he is a head coach 
and I, I just want to point this out because Ohio State, we've given you your roses, okay? Uh, you have had the best offseason of any team, and it's not close. By far. Your last two games, your coach has been ragdolled by the opposing team's coach. You were outcoached by Sharon Moore, no question about it. Sharon Moore made the better coaching decisions in that game. There is no question. You allowed the clock to bleed out when you could have gone for it uh, and, and tried to keep a drive alive right before the half against Michigan and decided to kick a field goal in the freezing cold and missed it. And then I, I don't even know where to begin for the coaching performance against Missouri. It was like none of those players were ready to come and play that. None of them. Not like, oh, well, Brown got hurt, so then we had to adjust to a different court. You didn't do anything in that game that made it look like you were ever going to contend. So I think that there is there's a big onus on Ryan Day going into this season. And Ohio State's non-conference is soft as Charmin coming into this net. So they'll they'll get some freebies in there. And then their their conference schedule, I'm pretty sure, starts very soft as well with Michigan State and they play Oregon on the road, uh in the first half of the year. So that'll be their toughest test up until Okay. Yeah. So that that's gonna be where we start to learn about Ohio State in the upcoming season is that game against Oregon. And if it's on the road and it's in Oregon, it's in Eugene, not an easy place to play. So I think, man, that's going to be, I mean, barring anything kind of outlandish happening, that will most likely be a top 10 matchup. And it'll be a big 10 matchup. That is so crazy. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it over, Corey. Me and you have been having a lot of back and forth on this. I'm gonna flip it over to Alex. Alex, do you have any last thoughts on this before we close up? Not really. I think you guys literally summed up all of my thoughts on Ohio State. It's gonna come down to coaching. We got to know who the quarterback is, and I, I said it repeatedly this year: situational football for Ohio State. That is what is going to take you from being a really good, talented team to a great team. That's going to be the difference. Uh, but they're going to have every opportunity to do it. This is going to be super fun. I'm excited for this season. And I'm just now realizing, too, I literally did zero intro to this show. So if you are new and you've stuck with us till the end, this is Big Banter. We talk about Big Ten football all year long. Follow us on the socials, threads at B1G Banter, uh, Instagram at B1G Banter, and then Twitter at B1G Banter Pod. Uh, thank you for listening. We're going to have some cool stuff. We're going to do, uh, probably an episode a week is the plan, but if you follow us on the socials, you'll know when episodes are coming out and what we're talking about when they do come out. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys next time. Peace.